Um, okay, to start out this morning, I just need to be so honest. I, I just feel like, yeah, I, I just need to tell you how I'm personally feeling about this, this word I'm, I'm about to preach. Um, everything's fine. I just... <laughs> Half of you thought I was about to cry. Joke's on you. Not yet, not yet. Um, um, yeah, the, I, I, uh, there's three questions that I, at one point... Hold on. At one point, I heard Francis Chan give. He said that he asked himself these questions every time before he taught. He gave seven questions, and I only remember three of them. And I was like, seven questions every time you teach? That's a lot. Uh, but he, he always asks himself, um, do, do I believe what I'm about to say? Before I say it, do I believe, do I actually believe it? Because I don't know if you know this, it's actually really easy to just get up here and preach something you don't believe. Um, second, am I obeying what I'm about to say? Like, am I actually trying to, to put this into practice? Um, and then third, do I love the people I'm going to be speaking to? Because it's really important that I, I love them before I say anything to them. And I think those are really powerful questions. And I feel really comfortable with one and three today, where I really believe it. I believe what I'm about to say is true. And, and I also, I love you. I do. I love you guys. I'm so excited to be here. I really, I love, I love what I do. I love getting to talk to you. Um, I feel like every week I'm able to be like, I really care that they like have life and they love God and they feel loved. I want them to feel all that. So I feel good about one and three this morning. But number, the number two, am I obeying it? And I just, I realize, not really, not really. And I believe that if I'll obey it, it's great. I think God will totally reward it. But I just feel in my own life how reluctant I've been to obey the word that I'm going to preach today. And it's really simple. It's just this like idea of abandoning everything that gets in the way of following the Lord. Just letting go of anything that might get in the way of you loving God. And I'm, I feel a lot of passion when I preach it. And I, like, I realized on Thursday I was preaching super passionately by myself. That's how I get ready for teaching. And uh, So just picture me in a room preaching to a wall. That's what I was doing. But I was just preaching so hard about like, let go of anything that gets in the way. I just realized, man, God, I'm, I'm kind of sort of all the way not doing this right now. And so I just wanted to just be straight up with you before I give this word that like, this is hard. It's hard. There's a lot of things in our hearts that want to grab onto other things before we would grab onto the Lord, and um, I resonate with that. So as I preach it, and I mean it when I'm saying it, um, I'm, I'm like, God, I really don't want to get in the habit of being a preacher that says a lot of cool things, inspires a lot of people, and then lives in disobedience his whole life, and that's totally possible. And so um, anyway, real talk. There you go. All right. Um, I remember uh, being on my second honeymoon. You heard that, right? Because uh, the first honeymoon, I forgot my passport was expired and didn't get to go. Really amazing story. I've never cried harder than before I got married um, because I realized I'm about to look my bride, my future bride in like six hours in the face and say, baby, we are not going to Mexico. We're not because <laughs> I can't. Okay, it's illegal. Um, and so anyway, so on my second honeymoon, when I got the passport all worked out and uh, we're in Mexico and it's, we're in this beautiful like all-inclusive, blah, blah, blah. it's a really cool resort and uh, it's all going great. And I remember, I think it was the, the night before we left, we sat down with this, this couple at dinner and, uh, 
and we were just talking with them, and uh, they were in their 50s or 60s, something like that, and um, it was just really fun talking to them because they were just so cheesy, like, with each other. It was so sweet. It's just like really good, you know? It's like, oh, this is so sweet. They're just so clearly in love. Oh, it's so awesome. And I don't know if you've ever like seen uh, something like that where you're like, man, that's so beautiful. Like, I want that. Like, they had that kind of like energy where I'm like, I really want to be like you guys. And so inevitably, I'm like, okay, I know that in order to get to here, you know, it took a real body of work over here that I'm not seeing. So I just started asking questions, you know? And I found out they had an arranged marriage. <laughs> Who would have thought that? And I was like, please ex- <laughs> Great, yes. Some people are very pro-arranged marriage, which is great. I, I'm, I'm not anti-arranged marriages. That's great. Um, we support that here. Uh, so anyway, um, and so I was like, no way. I was like, okay, please help me understand because, I mean, I'm sure you're aware of how, like, you know, for me, like, in, like, 20, 2018, you know, in America, like, we, that's not really our thing. We kind of like to make our choices, you know, and so please help me understand. And he just starts talking about, like, man, everything in my marriage is about her. Just her first, her first. And he starts just talking through, like, the commitment he made a long time ago to say she's just going to be first. We're going to see how that goes in our marriage. And it was just so cool to be like, wow, this picture over here is beautiful, but I know that a lot happened before it got here, Right? And like, you see movies like this, right? Like you think about like the Karate Kid. I've never seen the Karate Kid, but I know before he learned how to do karate, what does he learn? What? Has everyone that just said that seen Karate Kid? Oh, okay. Well, I haven't. <laughs> I figured you're gonna be like, no, I haven't either. Um, you know, it's like, or if you've ever seen Michael Scarn, Threat Level Midnight, before he learns how to play hockey, what does he learn to do? He learns to mop, right? And then he gets, he gets handed a hockey stick. He's like, what do I do now? Mop. And then he scores the, and saves the world. Anyway, you know what I'm saying? But you know what I mean? Like whenever you see like this like beautiful something over here, but you always know, oh, something happened before all of that, 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 that got us here. This is why we go to seminars and hear really successful people talk because we see all the success. We see all the brilliance, all the beauty and go, okay, how do I get that? I know that it's not simple. So I want to hear from you. Tell me how. And, and this morning we're going to be in Luke chapter 10 and we're going to read a story that's really, or I'm actually going to more recap a story that's really powerful, and it's really awesome, and it's epic, and I think I want to just like name the tension that often, at least for me, when I read stories like, like we're going to talk about in Luke chapter 10, I, I, I can, if I'm picturing the timeline, it always starts at Luke 10, and I forget, oh wait, a lot happened in Luke 1 through 9 to get to Luke 10. And so we're gonna talk about this really powerful story, but this morning we're gonna focus more on, it kinda of sounded like I said moron. I wonder if that was a word from the Lord. No, it couldn't have been. Um, identity, <laughs> I'm a son of God. Um, so, so we're gonna talk more about what led up to, what preceded the powerful moment in Luke chapter 10. Um, and so we're gonna spend a little bit of time in Luke 10, but we're actually gonna spend more time elsewhere. So in Luke chapter 10, I'll tell you this story first. So there's this group of common people, and we're gonna unpack this story over the next few weeks. There's this group of common people, and they're so common that we really don't get to know a lot about them. They're just, we just know there's like 70 or 72 of them uh, that, are, that are following Jesus. And Jesus sends them out with power and authority to towns to, to talk about the kingdom, the, what, what's going on, like that Jesus is here, and there's this really awesome news. And he gives them power and authority, and so they go out, and I don't know what their definition of power and authority was before they left, but they come back and they're like, 
yo, Jesus, I don't know if you know this, but there's a lot of power in your name. Because <laughs> there was like demons, and then we said your name, and then the demons left. It was pretty crazy, you know what I mean? And so these like 70, 72 people, they go out, and I keep saying 70 to 72 because there's debate about what the number is. Bible scholars can get pretty nerdy. We're like, we're not really sure. Manuscripts say different things. So there's 70 or 72 people, and they all go out, and they just experience like this brilliant, like amazing, powerful reality. They're like, oh my goodness, like we have been given power from heaven. Like, wow, this is so epic. I mean, just imagine like going to random cities and be like, hey, can I pray for you? Can I pray healing? And just boom, it just happens. You're like, oh my goodness, like this is real. Like they have this moment with Jesus. They're like, oh wow, you weren't kidding. We are actually living with power and authority. And I don't know, whenever I read stories like this, I'm like, oh, it's so awesome. I really want that. How do I get that? And this morning in, in Luke 10 verse one, I think there's like this phrase that tells us how we get to Luke 10. In verse one, it says, after this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them on ahead of him, two by two into every town and place where he himself was about to go. Guess what two words we're about to focus in on? What are the first two words of Luke 10.1? After this, right? Which is really easy just to skim over that. Okay, after this, right? She's talking about whatever happened before that. But what happened before Luke 10 was really really important. So I really want to turn our attention to Luke chapter 5. So we're going to go back a little ways and look at what were some of the things that preceded, specifically what was one moment that really preceded this powerful moment in Luke 10 where we saw God move. It was after this. And so in Luke 5, I want to invite our attention, let me find it, to verse 8. This happens right after um, Jesus has done a miracle, right? He's got these guys that are cleaning their fishing nets. He, he asked them to cast their nets back out. They catch this insane amount of fish. It's a miraculous catch. And then Simon Peter, when he sees this miracle happen, he falls down at Jesus's knees and says, depart from me for I'm a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken. And so also were James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you'll be catching men. And this is the verse I really want to hone in on. And when they had brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed him. I'm going to pray for a second. Um, God, thank you for your word. Lord, I feel, um, I just feel a lot for my own, my own heart this morning. Oh, man, I just, God, I want this to impact my, my Monday morning, my Wednesday afternoon my Tuesday nights, like I just, I just, I see different places in my life where if I'm being honest, I just, I don't want you to have a say in. I don't want you to have a part in. And uh, God, I know that that can be a common thing for all of us, that we just have places in our life where we're like, you're just not invited there. I'm, I got to hold on to this thing right here. And yeah, I just, I just pray, Lord, will you help me to, to talk through this honestly with humility um, help it to make sense this morning. Holy Spirit, I just, I feel like um, this is just one of those conversations where, God, you, it's so full of hope, um, but you have to help us see why it's so hopeful. Um, God, you have to do something special in our hearts. Help us to see why it's so worth it to, to give up everything. Um, so please help.
Thank you for this church family. I love them. Um, it's such a gift. Yeah, love you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so I've got sort of like three words that I think are gonna capture the followers of Jesus and their journey pre-Luke 10. That's gonna lead up to Luke 10. And the first word is this word abandonment, all right? This word abandonment. So I just feel like I'm gonna end up walking around. Um, so there's this moment where, uh, you know, the disciples are, or before their disciples, they're just, they're just like fishing, right? And they see this big, huge miracle happen. And Peter's like, whoa, this is different. You're not human. Something's happened. Like, I think you might be the Lord. Like, okay. And he tries to create space. And Jesus goes, don't be afraid. I'm going to make you a fisher of men. Like, there's more where that came from. So they had this moment where Jesus goes, you can see what kind of happens when I'm around, right? And there's more where that, there's more where that came from. And and their response, right, to going, Jesus is not just a man, that he is God. They're like instinctive response. They haven't taken any, like any training. No one told, I don't, I don't know if anyone ever told them, hey, if you ever see the Messiah, make sure and leave everything and follow. I don't know, like what happened before. Like, I don't know what they knew. But the minute they saw who Jesus was, they leave everything behind, Okay, um, I have a lot of, pa- okay, I'm just trying to try to say it. I'm getting some thoughts together. I remember being in Uganda and we were, we were there. I've, I've told you why I went to Uganda before. We were training church planners. So there's a bunch of church planners uh, from all surrounding villages. And um, we, me and Michael Faria were teaching in uh, a place called Jaka. And um, we would stand in this building and teach for, I mean, like six straight hours. Um, like really, we, we were going hard. And we did that for two days in a row, which I guess isn't that long. Um, but anyway, we were there for six hours. Teachers are like, I do that every day. Um, but, uh, but it was so cool because, yeah, it was hard for me. All right? My story. Back off. Um, so I remember we're teaching. And, and it was so crazy because we didn't have any technology we, we had a Bible, and then we were explaining the narrative of Scripture. Like, here's the big picture of God from Old to New Testament, just to equip them for how to, like, teach the Word to their people. And what was so fascinating was there's people walking or riding bikes from miles and miles away. And all we had, all we had was preaching the Word. That was it. <laughs> okay? We didn't have anything else. And and I just, I was thinking about that moment where they were like, look, if, if there's a place where I can go get the word and learn how to better preach the word to my people, like to my town, to my neighbors, like I'm, I'm coming, I'm hungry for it. I just remember seeing this hunger. And this, this week as I was thinking about the word, I was, I was thinking about the juxtaposition of that with like if you go to like an American conference, a church conference, and you go and there's like 70 tables out in the lobby from different ministries. And they're all like, here's a free t-shirt. Here's a free koozie. Here's a free Starbucks $5 gift card. Take it. We want it. Here's a book. Have it. Have it. Can we just get your attention? Please, please, please. please. Is this enough to hold on to your attention? Do we get you? Can we get you to look up from your phone long enough? Like, here's all your items. Like, here you go. Come on. Come hang out. Come see it. It's all free. It's all free. Like, we don't even want your money. Please. Like, I think about like what I think about at church, some of the conversations we have. It's like, okay, coffee has got to be free. Who started that? Like, and it's a good thing. We want to be good hosts. We want to give you coffee. But I'm like, who set the bar that went, if we're going to get people to church, we at least got to wake them up first, okay? <laughs> like, it's hard enough. You know what I mean? 
I just like started thinking about like, oh, it just kind of started grossing me out. I was like, ugh. Like, when did Jesus stop being enough? Gross. Lights and smoke and really awesome speakers and the acoustics are perfect and the worship leader's amazing. It's like, when did the presence of God stop being enough? What happened? Oh my goodness, what happened to me? Why do I have to be so entertained all the time? Oh my goodness, there's so much to think about and I'm such a hypocrite if I pretend like I'm not like suffering from the same like gimme, gimme, gimme disease. Like, have you ever felt that? Have you ever snowed? Have you ever just stepped back and went, what is happening? <laughs> like, how much do you need to like just have a relationship with God and like just love worshiping with God and with people that love God? And I just like realized this week, like the, the disciples, they see Jesus. They see him. They see the miracle. They see what he's done. They remember where they were and how much their life had changed. And they went, look, there's only one option. Leave it all behind. Leave it all behind. Everything. Everything. Not one thing gets to get in the way of you, Jesus. If anything tries, I leave it behind. It goes. Not one thing. And I spent my week going, no, what are the nuances? How do I talk about like the elementary steps of abandonment? I don't. I'll think of good stories next week. Like I'll make it really easy and simple and talk about how to forgive yourself when you don't quite do it this week. I'll do that later. Jesus says, carry your cross. That was not kind and sweet and nuanced. Like it was like, that's hard. Come and die and you'll live. When the rich young ruler said, what do I got to do? He said, leave it all, leave it all and follow me. And Jesus is not saying that to put weird pressure on you or to shame you or to make you feel guilty. He's going, I have life. I've got everything your heart could ever want, and it's right here. And anything that gets in the way, let it go. Let it go. Let it go. And I just like oh, felt it so bad this week. So many little things. My Apple TV is getting the way of God. How is that possible? Funny, but true, right? We laugh because we resonate. Oh my goodness, the little petty things. Like you ever realize, like, I just came up with my little list of what's getting in the way of me and God. And just over the years, I've always had these little cute little things. And then you ever just step back and go, oh my gosh, this is so petty. Why are these little small, how are you being given permission to interfere with me and my relationship with the Almighty? Who gave you permission? Oh, it was me. Oh, shoot. We got to have a DTR here, you know? And so I feel like sometimes because I'm on this, like, as, as a speaker, preaching the gospel, right? It's like, okay, I want to be really sensitive to all of our stories, which is super important, right? And just knowing that life is such a journey, it's such a long haul thing, and that's so true. Like, your next step is your next step. All that is true. But I'm like, I feel like I was like a crazy person this week, as you can tell. I feel like a crazy person right now. Um, where, where I just had this moment, I was like, okay, look, I want to keep talking about your next step. And I want to keep making sure you understand the grace of God that is, that is new every day for you. And that, like, that is like, uh, thank God, so true. Like new mercies every morning for you to take hold of. Always true. But I was like, oh, I think I've gotten so stuck in the daily, like, it's okay, keep trying, you're forgiven, grace, uh-huh, uh-huh, that I've forgotten to say, hey, he wants everything though, okay? <laughs> all right, like, like give it all up. 
Like anything that threatens you giving it all to God, give it up. If you really want the life, the, the abundant life that, that Jesus wants to offer you, nothing gets to stand in the way of that. Let me be clear. Like Ten Commandments, no other gods before me. None. Zero. Never. No. Uh, over with. Right? Like, I started running out of words. Over with. It's gone. All right? <laughs> you know? <laughs> but do you get what I'm saying? Like at some point, step outside your life and go, is God real? Because like if he's real, maybe everything should go. I mean, maybe. <laughs> like, if in a trillion years, I won't be this anymore, I'll just be like in heaven and earth and however that was gonna look like. Like maybe consider like taking the safari off your iPhone if it's getting in the way that much. I mean, maybe just, let's just do this thing. Like how far is too far, really? Anyway, I felt, okay, I think my point's over. Um, I just felt this this week. I'm like, oh gosh. The disciples were like, they didn't even think, we think so much. The disciples go, oh, okay, I quit. I'm out. Let's do it. What we got? It's like, we just think so much. It's like, whatever's in the way, get rid of it. Let's start there. We'll figure it out. But let's just start. Whatever is hindering your walk with God, change the game. Change it. Just move it. Like, remove it. Do whatever you want to do. Anyway, you guys, you guys, yes, you hear me. I don't have to ask. I can tell you're listening. That's number one. Number two and three will be a lot more brief and probably yes, less yelling. <laughs> I just think, I, just, I think, I, I need, I have got to repent with the Lord. Now, now, see, you were too early earlier, but now it's happening. <laughs> I play such little games with him. All right, um, number two, they don't just abandon everything. They actually follow Jesus. I'll keep this brief, but, you know, they, they don't just, like, leave things behind and then just stand there, right? They, they follow Jesus wherever Jesus goes, um, and I think this is just such a good reminder that the gospel, like Christianity, is not, this, not a story of, hey, stop doing all the bad things. It's, it's repenting, right? It's that it's turning from things in order to step somewhere else. And so it's an active thing. It's not just inactivity over here. It's being actively pursuing Jesus. And so they, they leave behind their former life, and then they begin to pursue a new life. And I think this is a really... Um, important point, especially in the midst of a fasting season, because if you're like me, fasting all becomes about removal. Removal, removal, removal. I'm removing food during this time of my day. I'm removing food for my entire day, or I'm removing this app, or removing, you know, and it's just like, okay, I'm just not doing it. And if you've done any of this in the past two weeks, you've felt the friction of just, just don't do it, just don't do it. But the reason fasting is so powerful is it's not just removal, it's replacement, you go, I'm removing these things so that I can replace it with this. And I find myself having to keep reminding myself, when I get hungry, don't think about not eating, think about prayer, right? Like, okay, and so there's this place where they go, I'm not just leaving all this stuff behind, I'm doing it to follow Jesus wherever he goes. And so just to like encourage you in the middle of whatever kind of fast you're doing, or if you haven't done it, you should start, and whatever you end up doing, that in those moments where you feel hungry, or you want to pick up the phone so bad, or you want to go back to the old thing, like, oh, just don't do it. Try going, God, 
will you help me? Where are you leading me? Like, where are you walking? Where are you going? And, and my thoughts, where are you inviting my mind? It keeps wanting to go back here. But God, what, what are you wanting me to think about? Who are you wanting me to pray for? Or God, as I'm thinking about this, where do you want my steps to go this week? Where's a place I can go that will replace this habit? But going, God, I know that I'm not just fasting to not do things. I'm doing it to step into something, to follow you. And so that's just kind of your reminder that as we abandon all things, we don't just not do things, that we actually follow Jesus. And so in those moments of weakness, going, God, I know I'm weak. I know I'm not doing these things. Will you help me to step into what you're actually doing uh, right here, right now, in our steps, our words, our thoughts, our actions? So that's two. I'm out of breath. Number three, um, they enter this place of refining with Jesus, like, um, or, or, or shaping. They, they, they give Jesus full authority to just shape their lives and their understanding of things. And honestly, I wish I had more time to develop this point. I kind of got stuck on the first one. Um, but as they went, they were constantly shaped by Jesus. They sit under Jesus' words. In fact, just before Luke 10, um, there's a moment where a Samaritan village um, rejects Jesus and the disciples forgot the loving your enemies thing. And they said, should we call down a fire from heaven? You know, and Jesus is going, okay, now is the time where we refine your worldview <laughs> and your theology and probably a lot of other things, right? Uh, potentially racist moment there with the Samaritans. Like, I don't know where, where all that like malice was coming from in the disciples' heart. But like they just over and over again, have to sit underneath Jesus refining, like, their understanding, like, and they go, Jesus, like, you get to refine my sense of control, my sense of what it means for you to be the Messiah. It's like, if you remember when, whenever Jesus is like, here's what's going to happen to me, I'm going to die, and Peter's like, no, 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 and Jesus goes, ah, I even have to refine your understanding of what it means to be king, like, a king lays down his life for the people, right, so there's this place where we go, God, like, refine me, like, I'm leaving some things behind. I'm following where you go. And you now have, like, full permission to shape me and my thoughts on the world, my actions, my understanding. Like, you get to be the authority. And I don't know if, about you, but sometimes I, I treat God like he's here. He's across the coffee table, and we get to dialogue, which is true in a sense. But in regards to how we understand the world, how we, like, see people, like, God is the authority. And it's this place of going, God, you get to refine. You get to shape, and so these are the three areas. One, this place of abandonment. Anything in the way, get rid of it. Uh, number two, following Jesus. In those moments where we go, okay, I'm trying to stay away from this, going, oh, I'm not just trying to stay away from this, I'm trying to step in. Jesus, where are you leading me? And then third, God, continue to refine me, refine my heart, refine my thoughts, refine my understanding. Like, I'm gonna let your hands, like, shape my life. And I wanna invite us into communion. And I think sometimes, Depending on what week, I don't always explain communion. So I don't know if you've ever heard this song where it's like, this is how I fight my battles. I can't sing. It may look like I'm, but I'm surrounded by you. Um, there's this song that's really good. It's called This Is How I Fight My Battles, and I'm not going to sing it anymore. So, <laughs> sorry. Um, but it, it basically goes, this is how I fight my battles. It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. And it's this beautiful song that I didn't realize was about communion. For the longest time. Like I, you'll hear in the background, they'll say, your body and your blood has overcome at the table. And it's this song that declares, like, this is how I fight. And whenever you hear the words, like, this is how I fight, you're like, okay, I'm getting my energy up and I'm ready to fight. But then the song is saying, no, I fight 
through the body and the blood of Jesus that's already happened. Oh, and so I know I've like really, I'm feeling some stuff in my heart this morning. And I, I think it's 100% true. Everything I said, I, I, would, I think God is like totally put on my heart and it's for me first and it's for us. But communion is where we take this little piece of bread, right, and this little cup of juice and you're like, What's, this is not gonna fill me up at all. It's not supposed to, chill. Um, <laughs> but it's where we take the bread and we go, oh, that's right. God, you became flesh. You, you didn't stand far, far, far apart from us and go fix it yourself. Like, no, you took on flesh. That's what I remember when I take bread. Jesus, you lived my life. You can sympathize with me. You understand me. And then you take the cup and he goes, oh, you didn't just become me. Like, you, st- you took the bullet from me. Like, you shed your blood. And, and that blood that was shed, and then the resurrection that came three days later, gave you victory, like child of God, as we're trying to abandon everything and we need to be trying to do it, like all the way. And we're feeling the friction and we're feeling the, like just the fragility of our own life. Like, oh, I'm just back and forth as the wind blows. We get to remember God became flesh and he gave his life and the victory is yours. As you sit here, if nothing changes between now and when you die, like you're, you're covered in the name of Jesus. And so I'm gonna invite us to take communion and to really wrestle with this. God, what's in the way? Anything in your way, I want, I want it out. Like, wrestle with that. God, will you give me the boldness to abandon everything to whatever extent I need to do it? But that, like, balanced life always, right, on the other side going, but thank you, thank you, because you have died and raised again and given me life, and I belong in your family, and nothing can change that, right? And so, um, yeah, I just want to invite us into that tension this morning. I want to invite me into that tension this morning of going, abandon it all. Get rid of it. Follow him. Be refined by him. And also, thank you, Jesus. I fight my battles because you've already won. Like, you've done it through your body and your blood. So, yeah, I'm going to pray. Um, and then I'll dismiss this to communion to sit with that. Um, God, thank you, Lord. Um, I love you. Um, God, I just... I pray that there won't be any confusion. I know that there was, I just feel like there was, a, there was obviously more emotion today, but God, I pray that that won't get in the way of the substance. Like, God, I, I really believe that, that you have life for us. You have genuine life for us, and it feels like you're trying to take things away from us that we enjoy, um, but God, I just, that's not your heart. Like, you don't come to the party and say, let's just get really boring for the rest of our life. Like, you actually bring the fun. You bring the life. You bring the freedom. God, will you help us to... It's so hard to believe it, God. Give us trust that that's true and to just step out in faith, God. Peter, watching you walk on the water, trusting that because you're walking on water, he can too. And God, will you help us to trust that we can take steps and that we will experience like true life, Lord, in you, Jesus. It's not saying it won't be hard, that there won't be suffering. We're not promising any of that. But we are promising just like depths that we never knew existed in you, God. Help us, Jesus, to, to embrace that. Over communion, God, we just lead our spirit, just lead our thoughts. Yeah, I love you. In Jesus' name, amen.